0: Thank you so much. Appreciate the emphasis today on heaven and the Lord. Dr. Rasmussen and I never met until 24 years ago. And when Dr. Rasmussen came to West Coast Baptist College, uh, we met for the very first time. I had met his dad uh, years back but had never met Dr. Asmussen. I was privileged to be at Faith Baptist Church in Canoga Park in 1976. And Dr. Rasmussen was in college at that time, and so I never met him. And uh, got to know his family a bit and knew certainly about the ministry there in Canoga Park. And from time to time, I would hear his name as he ministered in other places. But when when Pastor Chappell uh, mentioned that Dr. Rasmussen was praying about an opportunity to come to West Coast, I was certainly delighted. Uh, Because I had been here a year, I knew absolutely nothing about college. Uh, I was just faking it. And uh, so I knew if Dr. Asmusson came, we'd actually be a college. And uh, so I was so thankful that he would come and uh, help us with the ministry here of West Coast Baptist College and bring those years of experience uh, from other work in colleges and, of course, his love for the Lord, his passion uh, to train young people. And it's been such a blessing, such a good friendship. He says we've never disagreed about anything. We probably have from time to time. I would guess we probably have at least for a minute or two. But I appreciate uh, the camaraderie that I've enjoyed with Dr. and We are uh, quite different in our personality and uh, quite different in our backgrounds and so on. But uh, right from the very first day, uh, we both sensed that we had a vision to see what God would do here in training laborers for the harvest. And uh, really, when you when you keep that as your center point, everything else is sort of incidental, and you just make it work uh, to the end that God's called you to. And I've been privileged uh, to not only work with Dr. Asmussen, but now to be able to call in my friend is, an, is is indeed an honor. And I'm glad I get to hear him preach today. And I hope you'll join me in welcoming Dr. Asmussen to chapel this morning.
1: Thank you, my friend. Appreciate you. Thank you so much, you may be seated. Dr. Gatch and I did grow up in different circumstances. Uh, He grew up on a dairy farm, and uh, milked cows twice a day, 365 days a year. I have never milked a cow. Secondly, I don't want to, and uh, so that's a little difference. We both love sports and played sports in, in high school. He played in college at Maranatha, uh, but I'll never forget, I actually was telling a pastor about this recently. Uh, literally last Wednesday, we were having a meal together, and when you came here, I didn't know who you were either. And another man went to another Christian college. And the college where I was working at, they said, boy, they said that college really got a big win getting the other guy. <laughs> and I didn't know, because I didn't know you, but we got the win getting Dr. Getch here, amen? And uh, as you get to know him... His discipline his hard work his heart for god is a blessing just to be around and he's impacted my life he's challenged me to be more active and continuing to memorize scripture and i hope that you'll learn that from his life and if it's a verse a week guys it'll change your life and i think everybody can do that and i'll be very blunt uh, i probably had not learned a new verse in a couple many years before i came to work here i've been in ministry for 20 years but I got around him, I said, I need to work at that. And uh, it's been a blessing in my life. I'm thankful. A couple of things I wanted to mention quickly. Uh, if you haven't met Dr. and Mrs. Crabb, Dr. Crabb, would you raise your hand down here? He's helping us this week. Been a blessing in my classes already. Uh, a great man. If you need counseling, hours and hours of it, go see him. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, he really would be a great counselor on any one of a number of different things. He's an uh, assistant pastor at his church. He's a medical doctor. Um, God's given him wisdom and knowledge. He graduated first in the medical class of 186 people, but he knows the word of God. And Dr. Gatch was saying this morning, he's got Bible reasons for what he says. That's a great thing. And then Dr. Goddard, if you don't know this, he turned 70 years old this week. And he wanted me to announce that. He didn't really want me to, but I think you ought to wish him a happy birthday. He is a consummate professional, a man who has shown grace under fire and been a blessing. And then, of course, pray for Dr. Weaver. I've been praying for him every day since I found out about the surgery, literally taking off the tip of a finger, amputating it the first knuckle. I did tell him yesterday if he could put that in a bottle of formaldehyde, it'd be a great sermon illustration, but right, maybe not, maybe not. Now, you don't want to bother him, but if you have home remedies, tell Mrs. Weaver. It'll entertain her, okay? And, uh, but I do hope you pray. I texted him this morning about 6.30, told him I prayed about the surgery coming up at the end of this month. How many of you guys singing that ensemble this morning? Would you raise your hand? That was a blessing. And thank you for preparing, for practicing. And if you're in the college choir, that was one of the best college choir songs I've ever heard sung recently. I hear you are singing again Sunday night. Thank you for your work following Brother Tyler. If you're, not, if you're a singer and you're not in that choir, get in it next semester. That's a blessing to people. That'll be on the CD next year. It's gonna be awesome. I wanna thank you for that. And I also wanted to say this. Uh, obviously, some of the things, the election didn't go well last night, and I'm disappointed Steve Knight lost uh, here in our district. I'm very disappointed Mr. Robrock lost in Orange County, and uh, Governor Walker in uh, Wisconsin, Dr. Getsch's home state lost, and some other critical losses. But can I say this? God's still in charge. And as I said the night that Trump won the election, which I was stunned out of my mind and giddy about, revival is not gonna come from the White House, it'll come from the church house. And uh, that's our job. And despite all the things going on here at Lancaster Baptist Church in the last four weeks, we've seen over 250 people accept Christ as their savior. Last week, 80 people followed the Lord Believer's baptism. It's great to be a part of a team that will have the win. That's not the Republican Party. That's the Lord's team. And I think that's an encouraging thing to think about as well. So keep those things in mind. I think it'll be a help. And uh, finally, the last thing I wanted to mention just as an announcement, next week, obviously tomorrow we'll have a lot of pastors here. Don't come and bother them while they're interviewing seniors. All right, but if you see them around, please greet them. I just saw one of our graduates here. I'm so glad to see him all the way here from Florida. Uh, wants to hire a young lady to help with uh, secretarial and graphics and things like that. I said, then I talked to a girl this morning who would be great and gave him her name. I, I just ran into her after my first hour class. And, but if you see them around, please greet them. And finally, next week is West Coast, West Coast Up Close, better known to those of us who are older as college days. And uh, a lot of folks are coming here to see the college for the first time. Let me challenge you to be a, an encouragement and a blessing to them and take time to talk to them. They don't know where anything is around here. Do you remember when you first got here? So be a friend to them, be a help to them, and you'll be glad you did. Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. I love this Psalm, and I I wrote a sermon that I preached probably 15 or 20 times stressing the fact that in Psalm 37, verses 1 through 6, God tells us not to fret. But I wrote another message just about a week ago from this particular psalm, and it deals with finding and doing God's will. If there's a singular question I get asked the most here at West Coast Baptist College, it often is, what do you think that I should do with my life? Well, I'm going to tell you, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Interestingly, I had a freshman ask me a few weeks ago, they were very concerned about what to do when they graduate. I said, Well, I would finish your first semester first, you know, (laughs) then your freshman year, and then you know, Go on through. I had a girl text me this week and she was asking about her doctoral program. And my answer was, well, you might want to get your bachelor's and your master's first. You know, we can help you with that. But uh, don't rush the washing machine. It's great to be married. My wife and I will celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary this year. Um, But that time will come. Ministry is wonderful. I wouldn't trade the last 40 years of my life for anything. I'm so glad that God called me into ministry. I'm so glad I've done this rather than what I thought I would do when I was in high school, when I thought I would be in business. I'm so glad I've been able to teach and preach and serve the Lord. But you know what? Right now, it's your time for preparation. It's your time to get ready for that. Don't rush the washing machine. Now, by the way, you want to be a soul winner right now. You want to be a witness. Uh, We don't know how long we're going to have. There's a man that Dr. Getch would know. He was assistant pastor, of Lance Shapiro, and went out to, I think, Montana to be a pastor. I found out that leukemia had come back in his 40s. And Ricky Owens is a good friend of his, and he told me about it. I remember I was going down to see our student, Mike Rivera, who's doing much better, by the way. Thank you for your prayers for him. I was going to drive down to UCLA Saturday morning. I went to the, I went to the post office, and I wanted to get this material to him as quickly as possible. he will never see it. He passed away this morning in his 40s. Literally on Monday, they said he's got two to three days to live. I said, they just exaggerate stuff like that. he had less than two full days to live. So we want to redeem the time while we have the time. None of us know how long we're going to have. But while you have a time for preparation, prepare yourself. Do the best you can for this time. And it will be over like that, and you'll be in ministry. It'll be over so quickly. And uh, you seniors probably remember your first day of college. I remember my first day of college. Man, I was lost trying to get through registration. Help us. I had a nice sophomore who helped me, by the way. And I'm telling you about that 43 years later. Um, But redeem the time. Make the most of the time you have right now. So we're going to talk today about doing God's will and finding God's will. Psalm 37, follow along with me, verses 1 through 5, and then verse 23. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord, and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, thy judgment as the new day. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, Because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass, cease from anger and forsake wrath, fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Look forward a little farther in the chapter to verse 23, if you will. A very familiar verse. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, I believe that I'm sharing that which you would have me to share today. I ask for liberty, and I ask that your Holy Spirit will work in me and through me. I pray this might be a help to our student body. I pray that we will realize that you have a will for us and you will make your will known in your time and we just need to rest in you. I pray that we will do the things in our life that you would have us to do so that we could hear your will and hear your voice in our life. I pray, Lord, for our students. Amazingly, 35 days left in this semester. I pray they'll finish strong. I pray you'll provide for their needs whether they be spiritual, whether they be physical, whether they be financial. Lord, you promised to supply our needs, and we claim that promise today. But Lord, right now, we ask to hear from you. I acknowledge publicly again that I desire and I need your help, for we know the arm of flesh will fail us, but your arm fails not. Please help us, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody wants to be happy. Anybody who doesn't want to be happy has psychological issues. We like things that make us happy. We like people that we are happy around. Uh, we like meals that make us happy, weather that makes us happy. By the way, if you haven't thanked the Lord for the weather recently, wake up. We complain when it's windy. It's been beautiful. This is nicer than Hawaii right now. We have no humidity or rain. Does it look like Hawaii? But it, the weather's nicer than Hawaii. Be thankful. If God's provided thus far for you, be thankful. You're still in school, be thankful. You have your health, be thankful. I read a book this week that a pastor sent me, and he said that one of the life-changing things you can do to your life is take time to be thankful for three things every day. I told my wife, we need to do that. That's a good idea. It wouldn't take long. Because I believe that thankfulness will lead to thankfulness. And you have much, and I have much to thank the Lord for here at West Coast Baptist College at Lancaster Baptist Church. God's been good, and we want to thank Him. Happiness, though, I'm going to tell you, is finding God's will and doing it. Finding God's will and doing it. What is God's will? He will show you. The steps of good man are ordered by the Lord. Genesis 24, verse 27, I, being in the way, the Lord led me. So we talk about doing God's will and finding God's will what is this all about? Well, I believe when we talk about finding God's will, we need to ask Him to show us the way He'd have us to go. I know a lot of students are praying about the next two days. I was talking to one yesterday. I said, "Are you talking to some people the next two days?" And I was thinking about having you do something else. He said, "I've got several people." I said, "That's what you need to do." But ask God to show you. Colossians three says, "Let the peace of God reign in your heart." He'll give you peace. And by the way, it may not be exactly, seniors, what you always thought you would do. I grew up about 70 miles away from here, and it was nice weather. But I went to college in Chicago where it was bad weather. And I didn't know what cold was till I got there. I'd been snow skiing once or twice in my life. And in California, you can snow ski sometimes wearing a t-shirt in the nice weather. Sunshine, you got to wear suntan lotion and sunglasses, you're going to get burned for the reflection off the snow. And I remember going off to college here. My mom said, well, you don't really have a heavy winter coat. Do you want one? I said, no, I don't get cold easy. I did not. I was an idiot. <laughs> About the middle of November, I said, please send me a coat. I'm freezing. I had one sweater, a V-neck sweater. They had a few buttons here. I was looking good. And I was freezing to death. <laughs> my mom bought me a, like a ski jacket out of a Sears catalog. to, be able to be. Man, that was my best friend for the next four years. But as graduation was coming up, people said, where are you going? And I said, I don't know, but it's going to be warm. <laughs> Spiritual. And I had it narrowed down between going back to Kanoga Park, going to work in, at Forest Hills Baptist Church in the Atlanta, Georgia area, or going down to West Palm Beach, Florida. I figured that would be good. That just, that's exactly what I had in mind. No more scraping the windshield of ice. I wasn't experienced with that. First time I got ice in the windshield, I went and got water and splashed it on the windshield. You say, moron, exactly. All of a sudden we had thicker ice. One time we had a bad snow and I was running a little late to school and I was big on being in school and being on time. And I remember I carved just a little space out of the windshield where I could see. Couldn't see out the side windows, couldn't see out the back windows. A policeman saw me. He turned on his lights. I couldn't see his lights. Are you kidding me? I couldn't see anything. Then he turned on the siren. about scared me to death. I pulled over. He said, did you see me? I said, no, sir. I I couldn't see you. He goes, why didn't you scrape your windows? So I'm thinking, I am not going to scrape windows anymore. I mean, my shoes will get ruined. Snow and ice going down inside your shoes. These are not problems we face in Lancaster. Instead, here we get sand. All right, so <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm done with this. You say, which one of those places did you go? Oh, I stayed in Chicago for 14 years. The will of God settles everything. We could trust Him. The Bible says in Psalm 32, verse 8, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way thou shalt go. That's a good verse to memorize. I will instruct thee and teach thee the way thou shalt go. You can trust God to show you that way. One of the greatest books I've ever read, I would often say it's in my top 20 books that I've read as far as character lessons learned is called The Endurance by Alfred Lansing. It deals with an Antarctic expedition way back in 1914, headed up by a man by the name of Ernest Shackleton. If you, if you like to read books, I promise you to read this book, it'll help you, it'll challenge you. Well, what happened was as they sailed off from England, you ought to read his advertisement for men. That wanted to go. Death is probable. Nothing guaranteed. And he had hundreds of men apply to go on that voyage. Ernest Shackleton took his men. They went up to the Antarctic. Well, they went across from one side to the other across the South Pole. They didn't make it. Uh, Their ship, the Endurance, got caught in the ice. And you said, well, they could just wait it out. And when spring comes, they could sail on or sail home. It didn't work. Because as the ice got stronger and stronger, it literally crushed that ship like a nut in the nutcracker. And the men ended up taking everything out of the ship and being on an ice floe. They survived for months eating penguin and uh, had a lot of negative effects from that, but I won't go into that. Finally, they realized if they didn't go get help, they were going to die. The chief navigator for that ship was a guy by the name of Worsley. And Shackleton took Worsley and five other men and they set off for the nearest habitated land they knew about in an open boat, no motor, 800 miles away in the Antarctic. The boat was 20 feet long. The US Naval Academy says in a book I have called Lessons from Shackleton that this is probably the greatest open sea, open boat voyage that was ever taken. Worsley, this gentleman, had only two instruments. We have a GPS. He had a compass, and he also had a sextant. That was it, where you would measure the stars and see where you're at. They set off, and to make a long story short, they made it there. Shackleton was able to get another ship, and he went back and picked up the men. And not one man died of his entire crew. Great lesson there, by the way. They never knew when Shackleton was going to come. Every day they packed up everything and they were ready to go. They lived in light of his appearing. What a great lesson for Christians. Are we living every day as if the Lord were to come back for us today? I think if that were so, we'd probably have tracks on us when we'd go out today. We'd probably, probably talk to our, our coworkers when we went out today. Well, they made it. They followed the directions they had. They followed the compass of the sextant. Can I say this? We live in uncertain times today, but we have God's word to guide us. Are we following it? I challenge you. My classes almost every day. Did you read the Bible this morning? Did you take time to allow God to guide you? He wants to show you the way you should go. The Bible is inspired by God. It's without error, and it's given to be our our light, to be our lamp. Are we following it? In Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. How do we find the will of God? I think sometimes that we say we want God's will, but in reality, we're looking for our wills. Walter Knight, in his book, classic Book of Illustrations, told the story about a Scottish woman. A man was looking at her, and she was at a fork in the road. And she was flipping a stick up and letting it fall on the ground. And she kept doing it again and again and again. And a man stopped her. He said, What are you doing? She said, Well, I flip the stick up and let it fall on the ground, then I go the way it points. He goes, Well, why do you keep doing it? And she goes, Well, I want to go that way, but the stick keeps pointing that way. So she kept throwing it up till it did what she wanted it to do. Let's make sure that we're not trying to force our will upon God. That we surrender, all to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. Not follow your heart. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Be very careful about saying, well, I have always wanted to do this, or I've always wanted to live here, or I've always wanted to go there. What does God want us to do? Not follow your conscience. The Bible says our conscience could be seared as like with a hot iron. It could be hardened. No, let's let God work in our heart and show us the way we should go. So the Bible, I believe, gives us three simple keys that unlock the door to His will. I believe that we need to practice these things, do these things, and then let God show us what He has to do. Number one, I believe God wants us to live a godly life. Psalm 37, we read this, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Folks, we know what is good. <laughs> Micah 6, 8. He has shown thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require thee? I was just reviewing my notes this morning. This was typed up and done. And I thought of that verse this morning as I sat there in my, in my bedroom, sitting in that chair. He's shown us what is good. We know what's good. We know the things the Lord wants us to do. The question is, will we do them? <laughs> my brother and I were talking about something the other day, and we said, well, we know this. The Bible says, be ye kind. We were talking about someone who was not really being kind at that time. So are we willing, as this chapter says, to trust in the Lord and do good? I love the verse I memorized just a few weeks ago and I've quoted in my classes. Hebrews 13, 16, but to do good and communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. What are the good things that God wants you to do? What are the good things that God wants me to do? He'll show us, He'll guide us. The Bible says in chapter 8, At verses 8 and 9, fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. The Bible says that evildoers will be cut off. We know the things that are wrong. Will we avoid them? Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's not go that direction. Let's ask God to help us. Uh, Little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. Verses 16 and 18. Verse 27, depart from evil and do good. Depart from evil and do good. Wait on the Lord and keep His way. The wicked are cut off. Wait on the Lord to do His way. The wicked are cut off. The transgressors, it says in verse 40, shall be destroyed together. What are the things God wants us to do? I think most of us know them. If I gave you a list today, you'd say, I know that. And by the way, I know them too. Uh, Are we going to do what God wants us to do? Let's ask God to guard us that we don't go the wrong way. One of the most famous events in bowl history if you follow football, uh, the bowl that's called the Granddaddy of the Mole is where many of you went to watch UCLA play recently. It's called the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California. But there's probably one play in all of Rose Bowl history that's more famous than any other play. It happened way back in 1929. It was the California Golden Bears, Cal Berkeley, playing against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. And in the middle of that game, the ball was dropped to the field and a guy by the name of Roy Regal picked it up. And he ran the wrong way. He's famous, we're talking almost exactly, about 90 years later, he is known as Wrong Way Regal. They finally got him down at the very end of the field, but the other team got a safety and they won the game by two points. Let's ask God to show us the way He wants us to go. Because we could be deceived. We could be surprised. If you ever played a lot of basketball, you might have maybe at a halftime gone the wrong way. You been going the same way a whole half and all of a sudden you forget and go the wrong way. What a mistake. What an embarrassment. But how much worse to go the wrong way in our life. God wants us to live a holy life. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3, For this is the will of God even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. God wants His children to live a holy life. Every parent here in here understands that we want to teach our children to do right, to avoid that which is evil. Remember, Micah, Malachi, he has taught thee, he has shown the old man what is good. He has shown the old man what is good. You've been shown a lot of good here at West Coast Baptist College. Will you do the things you're taught? The Bible says this, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. I know that I should be a witness. I know that I should try to help people and encourage people. I found out literally in the last hour, the man in my class is in the hospital AV, he's got blood clots in his lung. I know what I should do, I should visit him today. I know that. I told Savannah, write this room number down, I need to go see him. Ron Smiley is in the hospital, just found out. We know what we should do, the question is, will we do it? We need to guard against things that we know are wrong, like stealing from God. I was, I was impressed. I didn't do it because we just came out of a missions conference. I almost preached on giving today because I wonder how many students are faithful tithers. The Bible says if we don't tithe, we have a leaky seed bag. Our resources will just dwindle away and be crushed on a hard path underfoot. Obey God with our giving. Let's make sure that we obey God to be faithful. The Bible says, a faithful man who can find. Are you faithful in your soul winning? Are you faithful in your devotions? Are you faithful in being a witness? Are we doing what God wants us to do? Are we guarding against the sins that we so easily are overcome with, like pride, like bitterness, things that everybody is tempted with? We know what's right. Let's ask God to help us do the right thing. I'm going to say this, that when we do these things that we know are wrong, they short-circuit our communication with God. Be like coming to chapel and having earplugs put in and maybe earphones on top of that. You're not going to hear too well. It distracts us. Be like trying to see with someone who has cataracts on their eyes. It's our sins that separate us from God. He wants to show us the way. He wants us to know the way. But are we having things there that distract us and stop us from doing the things that God wants us to do? Can I say this? God will show you the things to do. God will give you impulses. Go and talk to this person like he did with me last hour. I need to go see Ron Smiley. I know that. He's in my Sunday school class. But we obey them. There's a man in here that unless you've taken history of evangelism, you've probably never heard of. But I read one story about his life. His name was Paul Rader. I know you've heard of him. Very famous evangelist a long time ago. And he was witnessing and witnessing to a well-known and very wealthy banker in New York City. And this man just wouldn't listen to him. Time passed, and this banker who was maybe overworked was sent, they said, your health is broken, you're going to die, and they sent him to a sanatorium. They would do this with tuberculosis victims sometimes, with other people who just, their health was broken. They said, well, take care of every need you have, but you're in bad, bad shape. And so he wasn't in New York anymore, he was out in the country somewhere. Paul Rader often thought about him, and one day, it was like the Lord said to him, go and speak to this man. And it was a clear impulse from the Lord. And Rader got up, and he went off, and he went to that sanatorium. And Rader saw there, and he saw the man standing in the doorway of his room, and the banker said, I'm so glad to see you. Rader said to him, he said, I received your telegram. The man said, that's impossible. I wrote a telegram begging you to come, but I tore it up. I didn't send it. That may be, said Rader, but your message came by way of heaven. Paul Rader found his friend under deep conviction, and he pointed him to Christ as the perfect Savior. The man accepted Christ and said this. this. is an interesting thing. He said, Rader, did you ever see the sky so blue or the grass so green? Rader replied, there's a song that says, heaven above is softer blue, earth around is sweeter green. Something lives in every hue Christless eyes have never seen. The banker nodded his affirmation and literally fell over into Rader's arms and died. When I read that story, I said, boy, it's a good thing that Raider obeyed the impulse of the Holy Spirit. I wonder, is there someone that God wants you to call and witness to? Is there someone at work you need to witness to? Let's obey every impulse. So we see, first of all, holy life. Secondly, very quickly, we see a yielded heart. A yielded heart. It's hard to let go. It's hard to take our hands off the steering wheel of our life. In 1986, I remember this well, I was teaching college and I heard about the fact that in the Black Sea there was a collision of two ships. There was a Soviet liner, passenger liner, and there was a Japanese cargo carrier, it carried wheat or oats. They collided, the the freight uh, freight liner pierced into this liner, the boat sank in 15 minutes. It had 1,200 people aboard. This is just 1986, 389 passengers died as they went into the freezing water. You may ask yourself, wow, was it a cloudy night? Wow, did they not see the other ship? No, it was perfectly clear. Yes, they saw the other ship. These two ships had seen each other for 45 minutes, but neither ship would yield and they crashed and sunk. It's hard to yield. Maybe that's why the songwriter wrote, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. Not, I was here first, this is my way. Both could have steered clear, but according to news reports, I looked this up again yesterday to get the details, neither captain wanted to give way to the other. The Bible says this, it says in honor, preferring one another. And while we ought to prefer our roommates, our spouses, those at work, how much more ought we to prefer what the Lord Jesus Christ wants for our life? I wonder who God spoke to last week about missions. But you thought, I don't want to do that. Will we yield ourselves to Him? To yield means to surrender or to submit. The Bible says that God is our owner. We've been bought with a price. You're not your own, the Bible says. We yield to Him. We live under His heaven. The nations are under His authority. My destiny is under His direction. My past, praise the Lord, is under His grace. My future is under His control. My cares are under His wing. And my sin is under His blood. We ought to yield to Him. Yield. 1 Corinthians Tells us we're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's, 1 Corinthians 6.20. Just a chapter later, chapter 7 says, you're bought with a price. Be ye not servants of men. Are we yielded to God? Are we doing what God wants us to do? I'm afraid that sometimes we let things get out of control because God is no longer in charge. Two men driving in Southern California got into a battle of road rage after one cut off the the other in a parking lot and took his parking spot. They began to chase each other down the road, weaving in and out of traffic. They endangered a lot of lives until finally one man lost control of his car and tumbled across the road. But in the process, a little girl on the sidewalk was killed. Yield to God. Yield to those in authority. This week, November the 4th in Wisconsin, two men were driving down the road in a Ford F-150 pickup. They were doing something called huffing. I read that. I said it to Dr. Crabb, but I get a good illustration about things like this. Illegal chemicals to get a high. The driver got a little too high. His car veered off to the right he overcorrected on the grass. He shot across two two lanes of traffic, across the medium, across two more lanes, and went down in the ditch where he hit a Girl Scout troop picking up trash. That's this week. He killed nine-year-old Jaina. He killed ten-year-old Autumn. He killed ten-year-old Haley. And killed Haley's 32-year-old mother. Probably the most amazing thing I read though was that he had done this before. He'd flipped his truck and had to get pulled out of the truck before. Huffing chemicals before. I mentioned in one class, I said, I hope he gets 100 years in jail. You say it's involuntary manslaughter. He took four lives. Because he didn't yield to authority. They told him, don't do this. he even been caught once. It crashed once, but he did it again. Let's just yield to God's will for our life. My friends, when we do that, there's no regrets. We're taking the blinders off and just say, Lord, I'm yours. You bought me. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to go where you want me to go. I don't know where that is for you, but God will show you. He loves you. He cares for you. As we know God, we come to love him. As we love God, we come to trust him. As we trust God, we come to obey Him. And I'll say this, when you obey God, you will be blessed by Him. We want you to be blessed. I have a prayer. It's really far out there. I know Brother Getch prays for revival. You know what I pray for? I pray that someone will come from West Coast Baptist College who will do greater works than this. Would that be unbelievable? This is the second largest independent Baptist church in America. But that would be a great thing. God is able. God wants to do great things. But I believe for that to happen, we must yield to Him. And finally today, if we're going to be in God's will and do God's will and obey God's will, we must delight in the Lord, delight in Him. Psalm 119, verse 108 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, 105. Do we appreciate the Word of God, the inspired and infallible Word of God? I know I have found myself at times, I think I got up this morning and I got up a little earlier. I want to spend some time praying about the message today. I want to go over my notes today. But before I ever opened my notebook with the notes that are typed up here in it, I took time to read the Bible. But I found myself hurrying through that to get to my notes. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. I was talking to someone the other day and he was talking about how Dr. Bud Calvert We'll walk two miles every morning and just use that as a prayer time. Be still and know that I'm God. Retired now, after pastoring for three and a half decades in Fairfax, Virginia, but he still wants to have time with God. I know of a pastor that every morning will get on his elliptical. He used to have a TV there and he'd watch Sports Center. He said, I took it out. He says, I use that time to read my Bible and my iPad and go through prayer list. Be still and know that I'm God. We need to appropriate the Word of God in our life. And secondly, this morning, we need to allow God to lead us through prayer. Can I say this, friends? If you're like me, sometimes you have talked at God instead of talking to God. I've done that with my wife. I just have to tell her what I'm thinking. But God wants us to talk with Him. Are we listening to Him as we pray to Him? Lord, is there something you'd have me to do today? Is there somebody you want me to minister to? There's someone back in my home church that I should be a blessing to. What would you have me to do? Lord, show me. Sometimes you hear some people pray, and you think immediately, they've been there before. There's an old gentleman he's in heaven now that Dr. Gatch and I knew well. And to pray with this man was an amazing experience. His name was Charles Holmshire. I'm sure you did at some time in your life. He would prostrate himself on the ground. I remember he asked me to come and preach at the 50th or 55th anniversary of neighborhood Bible time in Colorado. And I'm thinking that's not going to help the college. The church doesn't support the college. I mean, it's really not going to be worth my time. And finally I said, I'll come. Can I spend some time praying with you? You knew that Brother Homesher knew the Lord. Do we know God? Did we talk to Him this morning? Or do we just quickly get it out of the way the way we brushed our teeth today? Or the way, guys, we shave. We do it out of duty. We got it done. Okay, that's done. Knock that off. On to the next thing. God wants to talk with us. He wants us to talk with Him. God will lead us through His Word. God will lead us through preaching. and God will lead us through prayer. It burdens me when I see sometimes people Who'll sit in chapel and they'll do other things. I sit in the front row on purpose because I don't really want to see you doing that. I'm tall, waisted. If I sit in the back, I could see who's on their phone very easily. I can't mandate you listening in chapel, but the Bible uses preaching. The Bible uses His Word, and the Bible uses prayer. When people ask me, Well, what do you think I should do? I want to ask them, Are you in the Word of God daily? Are you praying and asking God for His direction? Are you listening to preaching and teaching here that you hear so often and so frequently? Because God will guide us through these things. Because if we would say, Lord, I want to know your will, and we'd surrender to his will and apply his will to our life, I believe it would be a wonderful thing. Bruce Larson told a story about how he would get people to surrender to the will of God. In New York City, if you ever go there at Rockefeller Square, where well, they'll put the giant Christmas tree up every year, there's something there that's very unique. There's a building called the R.C. Building. I've seen this. Many of you have seen it. seen pictures of it. And out in front there's this huge, huge sculpture. And this sculpture is a sculpture of Atlas. Heavily muscled. He's bowed under the weight of the whole world. Trying to hold the world up. I've often thought sometimes as Christians that's what we're doing. We're trying to hold the whole weight up ourselves. But then I read one day that if you go just down the street to St. Patrick's Cathedral and I like to look at yours, I like staying last, I like to hear the organs play. Don't go there for a service. But there's a statue there of the Lord Jesus Christ as a child. And he's holding the world effortlessly in his hand. Are we straining or are we just gonna let Jesus show us what to do? You don't need to worry. I'm not preaching on worry today, but this chapter says, Fret not three different times. Are you gonna trust Him? Don't rush the washing machine, don't get ahead of yourself. Do what God wants you to do today and tomorrow and the next day. And I would say that He would want most of us to be witnessing maybe Thursday, maybe Saturday. He'd want us to be in church on Sunday and try to minister to people. It's such a blessing. And every day, about halfway through my classes, I'll ask for blessings. And I heard about someone who led a little girl to the Lord and someone else saw some people get saved. It's such a blessing. People on the church planting trip this Saturday, four guys, got, four people got saved. What a blessing. Let's just do the things we know God wants us to do and then allow God to show us the next step He'd have us to take. My friends, God wants you to do His will more than we want to do His will. Will we allow Him to show us His will? Will we make sure to remove any earplugs that would stop us from hearing Him? Or cataracts that would stop us from seeing Him? And listen to the preaching. Spend time in the Word of God. Spend time in prayer. And say, Lord, I'm all yours. Maybe God spoke to you last week about missions. Go ahead and surrender. Happy this is finding God's will and doing it. Several were called to preach when Pastor Preacher from Nehemiah last Wednesday the greatest thing you could ever do is to find God's will and do it. If you'll do that, I promise you that someday when you get to be the age in your 60s like Dr. Gatcher, myself or Brother Shetler or the 70s like Dr. Weaver, if the Lord tarries, I promise you, someday you'll look back and you'll say, I'm glad I did and not have to say, I wish I had. Let's pray today. Lord, I do pray for these students. I thank you for the privilege that is ours to invest in their life. And Lord, I pray you'll speak to hearts even now that people will just let go and give you their lives and say, Lord, I'm yours. You bought me with a price. I'm not my own. I pray they'll be willing to sacrifice all, to lay their life as Isaac did way back in Genesis on an altar, to lay their life on an altar as a willing sacrifice their heads bowed, their eyes closed. We'll take just a minute as the the piano plays. Let God speak to your heart. Again, I don't know what God wants you to do, but I know He's got a plan for you. He loves you. He gave Himself for you. What a wonderful thing. And we have a privilege of living for Him and serving Him. It's an awesome thing. Give your talents to him, your time, your treasure. Thank you for those who sang this morning. The solo was great. The men's ensemble was great. Thank you for those who worked in the choir. But I wonder who else says, you know, I need to be doing that. I know it takes time. David said, that which cost me nothing I would not have. Are you willing to give your time, your talents to him? If you'll do that, someday you'll say,
0: I'm glad I did, and not I wish I had.